0: Today we begin a series called Follow Me, uh, where we will listen to a selection of Jesus' parables in Luke's Gospel. Um, In fact, those parables that are unique to Luke's Gospel. That is, those parables that Matthew or Mark or John don't record, and yet Luke does. For those unfamiliar with the term, parables are short stories that illustrate spiritual truths. A warning, however, before we begin this entire series, Jesus didn't necessarily tell parables so that he may be more easily understood. Preachers use illustrations... I'll use illustrations today so that we can be more easily understood. doesn't always work. But Jesus uses parables. He speaks in parables so that some will understand, but also so that some others will not. A light will come on for some, while others will remain in the dark. And so as simple as these stories are, We want to listen carefully so that we may learn these profound truths. And so uh, growth groups will be studying the parable that is preached on the Sunday before. And um, there there are three growth groups uh, currently, and uh, with plans for more, by the way. And so if you're interested in joining one, please come and speak to myself or any of the elders because it's going to be a great time to consolidate our learning, but also to stretch each other in applying God's word to and in our lives. Let me pray before we jump into the text. Thank you, Father, for making yourself known to us, showing us the way of salvation through faith in your Son. And we ask you now to teach us through your word, indeed, the words of your Son, so that we may follow Jesus this day and all the days until he returns. Amen. We begin with uh, perhaps what is Jesus' most celebrated parable, the Good Samaritan. Who hasn't heard of the Good Samaritan? The story has become so legendary that it is synonymous, the Good Samaritan has become synonymous throughout the world with someone who helps another who is in trouble and that is indeed a plain reading of it. But there is more to it. Uh, It's important to read parables in context. And in Luke's Gospel, this parable is told after a key moment. So if you have your Bibles with you, you, turn to Luke 9.51. I'll have it up on the screen as well. Luke 9.51 reads, as the time approached for him to be taken up to heaven, Jesus resolutely set out for Jerusalem. As the time approached for him to be taken up to heaven, Jesus resolutely set out for Jerusalem. And he knew, as well as we do, what would await him there. Jesus tells this parable on his way to the cross. In fact, it is the first parable he tells after he turns resolutely, bravely, decisively, firmly, steadfastly toward Jerusalem. Now that is significant, I think, for our reading of this parable. So, so lock that away, right? Luke 9, 51. Now to the story. On one occasion, an expert of the law, let's call him a lawyer, asks, teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Being a lawyer, it isn't an innocent question. We're told he asks Jesus to test him. As an expert of law himself, he was out to expose Jesus' disregard of it. And you will have noticed if you've read the Gospels that so often Jesus will answer a question with a question. Have you noticed that? And so he asks, What is written in the law? How do you read it? As a good lawyer does, he came prepared. And he answered this, Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind and love your neighbour as yourself. And Jesus replied, You've answered correctly. And he adds, do this and you will live. And so the lawyer had asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And he answered his own question. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind and love your neighbour as yourself. Jesus assures him, look, he is correct. But it is far from reassuring. It is an impossibly higher standard. But that was the point. Jesus was showing the lawyer, the lawyer, what the law demanded, so that he could see that ultimately he couldn't do it. Jesus effectively says, look, practice what you preach. Now, as a, as a preacher, I preach to myself First and foremost, God's word both encourages me and challenges me. But there is another reaction to being confronted by the discrepancy between what you practice and what you preach, between your life and your doctrine. And that is to try and justify yourself. And we are all inclined to do this. And so Luke writes, but he wanted to justify himself, verse 29. He was flustered. He wanted to save face. And so he asks this. And who is my neighbour? And the question behind the question is this. Who exactly must I help? And how much must I help them? This expert in the law law, wanted to scale down this command to make it more achievable. He wanted a checklist, not a story. But a story is what he gets. Because Jesus wants to teach him and us something very important. Now the road from Jerusalem to Jericho was a dangerous one. Winding down through rocky desert terrain. It was a notorious road. And so that a man is attacked and robbed and left for dead on this road wouldn't have been all that shocking. But what comes next is, verse 31, a priest happened to be going down the same road and when he saw the man, he passed by on the other side. Verse 32, so too a Levite who's sort of a, an assistant priest, when he came to the place and saw him pass by on the other side. Now, notice uh, that in neither case is a reason given for their avoiding him, other than that they saw him. Uh, Presumably, they were concerned with remaining clean, being priests and, and Levites and having to serve in the temple. But I suspect that wasn't their only motive. They would have done a quick calculation in their heads, and it just didn't add up. It just didn't add up. It would have been far too inconvenient and, and, and costly. Now, I've had my own uh, Good Samaritan experience, I suppose. When I was at Bible college in Sydney, I would often ride my, uh, my bike to and from uh, college, and I tried to avoid roads as much as possible, being Sydney. And so uh, I was riding down a footpath at some speed, and somehow my front wheel ended up at a right angle. And uh, I never know how, I have no idea how it happened, um, even to this day. Anyway, I went over the handlebars and injured myself fairly badly. Uh, one leg had uh, barely any skin left on it. Um, It felt like I'd broken my arm, I didn't, but it felt like it. I'd hit my head as well. And as I lay there on the footpath, I saw white couple after white couple slow down, look at me, and drive by. Now, we lived in an area of Sydney where 50% of the population were white and Christian, although many of them were only Christian culturally so, and where 50% of the population were Middle Eastern and devout Muslims. And there were at times a a little animosity between those two groups. But it was two Muslim women who stopped to look after me. Now, culturally, this was entirely unexpected. Generally speaking, Muslim women were not to speak to white men. Culturally, that a Samaritan man comes to the aid of this Jewish man was even more surprising. There was intense animosity between these two peoples. But his heart goes out to him. And although it would surely have been inconvenient and although it was costly, he gives him first aid, disinfects and bandages his wounds and takes him to an inn where after paying all the initial costs, he opens up a bill with the innkeeper that he himself would later pay. Now let's be clear, this Samaritan was not this man's neighbour in the way that we have come to understand that term. But he became his neighbour when he loved him as such. By depicting a Samaritan helping a Jew, Jesus' point couldn't be more emphatic. Jesus refuses to let us limit not only how we love, but who we love. Anyone who is in need, regardless of race, class or religion, is your neighbour. Not everyone is your brother or sister in Christ, but everyone is your neighbour. And we must love our neighbour. So Jesus turns the lawyer's question around on him from from who is my neighbour... To who can I be a neighbor to? But in order to to ask that question in the first place, you, you have to have a heart of compassion. See, compassion, you'll have noticed, is the turning point in this entire story. Verse 33 But a Samaritan, as he traveled, came where the man was, and when he saw him, he took pity on him. Now, that word pity means to have compassion, to be moved inwardly, to, to be physically moved inwardly, so as to act outwardly. So friends, do we have that same compassion? Not just pity, but to be so moved inwardly, so as to move outwardly toward people in need or in trouble? Or do we turn a blind eye and sort of retreat back into our shells of comfort? Clearly, Jesus is teaching the lawyer and us what it really means to love our neighbour. It will be both risky and sacrificial. Clearly, Jesus is teaching the lawyer and us who his neighbours truly are. Your neighbour is not just your neighbour, as we have come to understand the term. Your neighbour is not just those people whom you like. Your neighbour is not just those people with whom you share a likeness. Anyone who is in need or in trouble is your neighbour. And we have to, to, to love our neighbour as ourselves. It's a very common saying, isn't it? But it isn't commonly lived out. Uh, Google uh, has a feature called Google Predictions. Have you, have you come across this? When you start typing in something to, to Google, Google, Google makes search predictions based on other popular searches. Have you come across this before? Okay, you're with me. Well, when you begin typing in how to love your. When you begin. When you type in how to love your. Do you know what comes up as the top search result? How to love yourself. How to love yourself. Do you know what comes up as the second top search result? How to love yourself again. Do you know what comes in at number three? How to love your body. Yourself. Do you know what comes in at number four? How to love this one. How to love yourself more. love your neighbour doesn't even feature on the list. It's true, guys. Check it out. I've I've got a picture to prove it. We are so self-absorbed. Aren't we? Now, there is nothing wrong with loving yourself, whatever that means. I don't even know what that means. Maybe that's why people search it. It's just that we're called to love our neighbour as ourselves. And the entire tone of the question is changed when we ask not who is my neighbour, but who can I be a neighbour to? See, one is very closed-handed and the other is very open-handed. So this week... Ask yourself, ask one another, as you sit around the dinner table, as you catch up for coffee, as you're in your growth groups, who can, I, who can we be a neighbour to? And then and, and see them and then move toward them and, and, and then love them sacrificially. But like the Samaritan, we may also stumble across these opportunities where we too will have to make this quick calculation, where we too will have the chance to show mercy, not withhold ourselves or our things, but to give generously. Who wouldn't want a neighbour like that? Who wouldn't want a neighbour who loved you, despite the inconvenience, and whatever the cost. Well friends, here's a thing: In Jesus, we do. Remember that Jesus told this parable as he resolutely set out for Jerusalem and the cross. one author writes this. According to the Bible, we are all like that man dying on the road. We are dead in trespasses and sins. But when Jesus came into our dangerous world, he came down our road. And though we had been enemies, he was moved with compassion by our plight. He came to us and saved us, not merely at the risk of his life, as in the case of the Samaritan, but at the cost of his life. On the cross, he paid the debt we could never have paid ourselves. Jesus is the Great Samaritan to whom the Good Samaritan points. Jesus is the ultimate Good Samaritan. Now, if we are meant to see in the Good Samaritan, not just a Good Samaritan, an example for us to follow, which he surely is. But if we are to see in the Good Samaritan, the Great Samaritan, then friends, that means that Jesus did not just stumble over you. He set out to save you. Remember, Jesus resolutely set out for Jerusalem and the cross and you. Though he was God, he made himself nothing. He gave up his divine privileges. He got dirty. He knew what it would cost, but he paid the price. It's interesting, isn't it, that the parable that had begun with an expert of the law asking what must I do to inherit eternal life effectively tells a story of what Jesus will do to grant eternal life. See, the lawyer had answered correctly. The essence of God's will is love for God and love for people. And yet we know that we have not loved God as we ought, nor have we loved our neighbour as ourselves. And yet while we can never live up to the righteous demands of the law, he did. Jesus did love God with all his heart and with all his soul and with all his strength and with all his mind. He did love his neighbour as himself perfectly and all the time. And here is what happens when we trust in him. God makes him who had no sin. To be sin for us, so that in Him we might become the righteousness of God. And friends, it is only once we receive this love that we can start to be the neighbours that the Bible calls us to be. So there is a pattern of compassion in Jesus' ministry that culminates on the cross to which Jesus says, follow me, follow me. We love because he first loved us. And we will love our neighbour as ourselves as we come to know ourselves and the condition in which Jesus found us on that road. See, I find it interesting that Jesus depicts the Jewish man as the victim and the Samaritan man is the saviour, and not the other way around. Why does he do that, do you think? I think that there's clearly a shock factor, but I think there's another factor too. See, the lawyer was not being asked to identify with the Samaritan saviour. He was being asked to identify with the Jewish victim. So to recognise his need... For mercy. Do we recognise our need for mercy? Do we see in that man on the road ourselves? And do we see in the good Samaritan, the great Samaritan? Let me pray for us. Almighty God, our Heavenly Father, you are merciful and kind. But we have gone our own way, not loving you as we ought, nor loving our neighbour as ourselves. We have sinned against you in thought, word and deed, and in what we have failed to do. We deserve your condemnation. Father, forgive us. Help us to love you and our neighbour and to live for your honour and glory. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen.